over the years of traveling ministry, you sometimes realize that leaders give you hints by the things they leave on the pulpit. So they left me with batteries. So it's like, (laughs) if you need to be recharged. Hallelujah. Wow. Thank you, Lord. We're okay, Gordon. We're all set. Thank you. Let's pray. Lord, um, we thank you that you gather saints like this around the world. We thank you that uh, we are part of a great company of believers in every place on the planet, around the earth. And your voice is going, Lord, around the earth. And we just thank you that we can tie our heart to you and hear from you. And receive from you, because that's what we want, Lord. We want to hear from you and receive from you so that we can do for you those things that uh, you have in your spirit, Lord, in your heart for us. So I thank you for the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of God to flow freely to us, Lord. That we would not live out of our heads, but we would live from our spirit, Father. And you would encourage us and teach us, disciple us, that we would more and more be such a people. In the name of Yeshua, I pray. Hallelujah. The other morning I was praying and the Lord told me to read Psalm 92. And being in your midst today, I can see why. Because it says in verse 12, The righteous person will flourish like a palm tree. He will grow like a cedar in Lebanon, planted in the house of the Lord. They will flourish in the courts of our God. They will still yield fruit in old age. So this is a Psalm 92 crowd today. Hallelujah. And if you're a young person, you're welcome to participate. Hallelujah. They will still yield fruit in old age. They shall be full of sap and very green. So we're looking for sappy green people. Amen. And we're going to encourage each other to be very sappy and very green. Hallelujah. Some of you are thinking, I wonder what my hair would look like if I dyed it that color. Hallelujah. And someone questions you, said, well, I'm fulfilling the scripture. Hallelujah. So, Father, uh, the Father is looking for fruit. And one of the things that I've been thinking and praying and um, speaking about is being fruitful disciples and being the kinds of people that have relationships that are about engendering fruit in one another. In further, er, earlier in that psalm, the psalmist is writing, How great are thy works, O Lord, thy thoughts are very deep. And as you would study the 
idea of deep in the Scriptures, and we'll talk a little bit about this today. There are treasures and riches and blessings and revelation in the deep, in the things that are secret, in the places that are hidden. And much of Western religion is focused on superficiality. Like the least we can do, the, 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 how fast can we get through the songs? We don't even have, we call them worship, but they're merely religious songs because we don't take the time to enter into real worship. We're on a level. We preach and hear messages that are very superficial, all about pleasing you. Do you know God is not in the pleasing you business? One Jewish girl in the front knows that because she's been well discipled. Hallelujah. God is not in the pleasing us business. Have you realized that? How many times have you prayed to God for something and he said no? Am I the only one? Oh, if you're lying, we have to change the whole message. Because God is in the business of maturing us. He's in the business of maturing us so that we can bear fruit and then bear more fruit. And he's looking for a people who will create relationships with one another that are all about not allowing us to remain superficial, but to go to the depths of what God has for you and I. Many Christians, many believers, churchgoers, do not want that. And you watch the the history of the demise of churches and denominations and you see the demise come along the lines of choosing superficiality. Superficial relationships, superficial messages, superficial services, all built around pleasing the flesh. As we read the Bible, we realize that God is the enemy of our flesh, and our flesh is the enemy of God. And our flesh wants to rise up and run the show, And Jesus said, if you want to be my student, my disciple, you have to pick up your cross and deny yourself. Your flesh has to die. It has to be crucified. And messages like this are not popular because they're not superficial and they're not about pleasing us. God is looking for a people. Hear me say this to you. He's looking for a people who are not afraid of offending other people. Not that you personally, intentionally do it, but that the Word of God will offend people. The Word of God will confront people. And I know, you know, that that most of us don't want that, but there is a depth, hear me say this to you, there is a depth of relationship with God out of which that flows in you because you love people enough to confront Now, this doesn't mean being obnoxious or trying to, you know, uh, bully people, but to be in a place in the Spirit where you're living in a depth and out of the depth your answers come. Out of the depth your responses come. So if someone asks you a question, how are you, you will not give a simple superficial answer because something out of the depths will rise up and speak out of you. Do you understand what I'm saying to you? God is wanting to bring you and I into deeper depths. He wants us to be a people who are not satisfied with superficial. Superficial prayers, superficial Bible study, superficial song services, but 
creating environments where we can go deeper, where we can have deeper conversations, where we can have deeper relationships, where we're open to be confronted because you want to go deeper. You're not satisfied with, hello, how are you? Don't really answer because I'm not really interested. See you next week and don't bother me. This is, you know, in many churches, the kind of dynamic that goes on. But the Lord is looking to create spaces, sacred spaces, sacred relationships in which with people you love and trust and respect, you're wanting to go deeper. They're wanting to go deeper. Not everybody wants this. Most people don't want it. But when you find the golden relationships, you want to really hold on to them. You want to protect them and nurture them because I believe this, that as the battle rages, we need to be of a depth. We need to have a deeper walk with God. We need to be able to hear the Lord on a deeper level. We need to be able to converse on a deeper level. We need to be familiar with the depths of the Lord. So if we look at... um, at uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 2. And I believe it's Psalm 69 where it speaks of deep calling unto deep. At the, the noise of the, 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 the translations vary, water spouts, but it's the running of the, of the waters of God. And Jesus said, if you believe in me out of your... Uh, out of your spirit, your inner man, out of your depth shall flow rivers of living water. And I, I tell you, saints, there is, a, there is a revelation of that that the Lord wants to bring to you. That he wants you to know that he's inviting you into deeper depths and he's willing to teach you how to swim in those waters. How to have relationships that are in those waters. And not everybody wants that. Because it takes work, it takes labor, it takes forgiveness, it takes humility, it takes patience, it takes long-suffering to create relationships like that. But the reward is that we enter into a dynamic with the Holy Spirit in which revelation can come and, um, and confirmations of revelation. You know, there's new songs, new kinds of worship, new insights into the Scripture, new understanding of the ways and the hows and the wherefores of God because He doesn't just give this to everybody. He just doesn't give it to everybody. He was, when Jesus was ministering, He was looking at the crowd and He would always give them hard sayings to separate out those who were only interested in the superficial. The loaves and the fish, they were hungry, they were ate. Thank you very much. When's the next meal? But Jesus would separate that out because he's looking for the disciples who he said, who wants to really be with me? Who wants to learn of me? Who wants what I want? Who wants to be the person that I want them to be? And again, most people don't want to be the person God wants them to be. Most people don't want to be that disciple that's learning and changing and growing and maturing and bearing fruit. And the Father is interested in those people. He's not interested in the crowds. You understand that? Human beings are impressed by crowds and numbers and money. God is not. He is called the Lord of hosts. That means he is, the, he is surrounded by minions, multitudes of angelic beings. He's not interested in crowds of people. What he's interested in are real disciples. 
This is really important for some of you who are pastors and leaders when you're, when you're ministering and you come to church and you see empty seats and the devil wants to, you know, can, uh, uh, condemn you or accuse you because there's empty seats. And I tell you, never focus on who's not there, but focus on who is there and focus on bringing them to the, the, the next level of what their life is supposed to be in God. Nurture them, disciple them, mentor them, and not be worried by who's not coming. Jesus is not worried about who's not there. He's paying attention to who is there and saying, okay, can I take you further? Can I do more with you? Can I take you higher and deeper? So um, 1 Corinthians chapter 2. When I came to you, brethren, I did not come with superiority of speech or wisdom, proclaiming to you the testimony of God. He was saying, I'm not here to impress you. I'm not here to make you think about how smart I am, how much knowledge I have, how much education I have. Paul was not, and this is the revelation for all of us, is that we're not in the try to impress one another business. That's a good place to say amen. If you get caught up in trying to impress people, you'll be caught in a trap of what they think about you. And you cannot, be, you cannot go deep in God. You cannot have nurturing relationships if you're caught up or afraid or worried or concerned about what people think about you and what their opinion of you is because that will always be an avenue of the enemy to get in, to stop you, con- uh, 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 condemn you, uh, cause you to edit what you say or how you say it because those lies in the back of your head will be, well, if I say that, they may not like it. But we're not in the business of making people like us. Oh, this is a good place to say amen. You know, we're, we're in the business of helping one another, learning, changing, grow, and mature and bear fruit. So we're not caught up in wanting people to think highly of you. Because now the focus is on you and not the Lord, and the focus is not on you helping others bear fruit for the kingdom of God. Because otherwise you're always thinking about yourself and what they think about you. And this is the ground where the enemy comes in because the enemy wants to focus on you. The enemy wants you to focus on other people. Satan does not want you focusing on God because if you focus on God, his tactics will be exposed and you'll see him and you'll say to him, I don't want you anymore. And the devil will say, no, you really do. Because you want this to be about you and you want people to like you and you want people to think highly of you and you want people to be impressed by you and you want people to applaud you. And the things the Bible, Jesus taught us that the things that men are esteem are an abomination to God. You know, when men are applauding you, this is an abomination to God because you want to get the praises of God, not the praises of men. That is, you're not seeking for that applause. You know, when you receive the honor, there's a righteous place of applause. Don't misunderstand me. There's a righteous place of being received and welcomed and celebrated by those people who are with you in the journey and celebrating you and what you're bringing to them. So please don't misunderstand. Now, as I'm sharing this with you, I feel the atmosphere change. So you need to understand if you're feeling the atmosphere change and there any kind of oppression or you're feeling tired or something and you feel the shift in the atmosphere, I'm telling you, it's not coming from me. It's coming from principalities and powers that don't want you to get this. 
because the devil likes superficial things. Satan doesn't mind religion. He loves religion. He's created tons of religion. You know what he hates is when people become maturing, fruitful disciples of the kingdom of God because then they have authority over him and they're not taken in by his tricks or his deceptions. And they are able to see through all of the tactics of the enemy, his strategies to try and stop us from learning, changing, growing, maturing, and bearing fruit. And that's the business God is in. He has called us to bear fruit and called us to help one another bear fruit. And if you say, well, I don't know how to help somebody bear fruit, well, that's a good place to start. That's a good place to pray, Lord, how do I help my spouse bear fruit? How do I help my kids bear fruit? How do I help my brothers and sisters bear fruit? Because I'm in the business of making and maturing disciples. I'm in the business of helping people bear fruit. Do you understand that? We're not in the business of making one another like each other. Oh, that's a good place to say amen. When... Yeshua's parents, Jesus' parents, found him at 12 years old in the temple. It's a funny story. I'm not going to go into the Jewish humor in a parent's leaving, you know, three days later. Where is he? I don't know. It's not very Jewish. But anyway, that's a whole other, there's a lot of funny elements. You know, there are funny elements all over the Bible. Oh, that's a good place to say, really? I didn't know that. I'm quite religious, you know. We don't laugh in church. You know, God is not laughing. We're not laughing. We're all so very somber. Oh, Lord, help this crowd. <laughs> trying to work. I'm trying to help you. Anyway, they find him. And I love the King James translation when they, they're saying, where were you? What happened? And he said, why are you surprised to find me here? Don't you know that I would be about my father's business. In Luke chapter 19, the parable of the talents, the master says the kingdom of God is like a wealthy man who gave abilities, talents, gifts, finances, depending on how you translate the words there, and said, now do business with this. In the King James, it says, occupy until I come. Other translations, do business with this until I come. And the scripture speaks about those, you know, who had five talents, ten talents, and one talent. And they, they went to the traders. They went into life. And five became ten. And they multiplied what they bought. They, bear, they bore fruit. And when the master came back, he was looking at what they did with the business that he brought them into. So this idea of being in business together has been resonating with me. And that's why I'm using the phrase that we're in this business together. And so in a very real way, this is a business meeting. And you and I and you and one another, we are all business partners together. And as business partners together, we should be having business conversations that have to do with how is the business going? Are you bearing fruit? And if you're not, why not? We are in business together. We should be helping one another bear fruit. 
you know, and there should be no envy or jealousy or sense of superiority. There should be, how can I help you bear fruit? Because we're business partners together. This is one of the tactics of the enemy to create division in, in Christian churches is the fact that they are, no, they are not business partners together. They're competitors for people coming to their church. Well, we're not in the business of getting people to come to church. We're in the business of making and maturing disciples. So many churches, leaders, think they're in the business, the church growth business, the church growth seminar business, is not about making and maturing disciples. It's about getting people into a building. Now, once you get them in the building, you're supposed to mature them. That's the goal, right? That's why we're inviting people. I'm not against church services. Oy vey, people here are so many different crazy things. Thank God we gather together. We should gather together. It's biblical to gather together. The problem is when it stops there and it, people are happy, leaders are happy, well, they came to church. Well, that's not enough. Getting people to attend meetings is not enough. We're not in the business of getting people to attend meetings. We're in the business of making and maturing disciples. And in making and maturing disciples, you're going to preach the truth you're going to preach it in love, but that, the, the flesh isn't going to like it. The flesh is going to rebel against that and say, well, you're not saying things that make me happy. In fact, you're saying things that make me very uncomfortable. And I don't want to be in a church where I'm made to be uncomfortable. I'm going to go to that other church where they promise to make me comfortable. How many of you know what I'm talking about? You know, they are the church of the flesh kissers. Come to our church, we'll kiss your flesh, we'll make you happy. Did you enjoy the service? There's a suggestion box there. How can we improve? You know, and then you watch the demise of churches and the services get shorter and shorter and shorter till they basically evaporate, you know. And it's like, you know, you go, well, you're in by 9, you're out by 10, you're in by 9, you're out by 9.30, you're in by 9, you're out by 9.15. Well, don't even bother to come. You know, let's just send your money. Hallelujah. So you need to be students of church history because you see the process of the demise when it starts and the process of demise always starts when we stop making disciples, when we stop maturing disciples, when we stop preaching the truth in love and insisting because we're in business together, insisting that, we, that each of us are bearing fruit. So we have, we have the right to speak into one another's life. We have the right to ask the kinds of questions that sound like this. How's the business going? Are you bearing fruit for the kingdom of God? Tell me the fruit. Show me the fruit. New songs, new, new ministries, new whatever. You should be bearing fruit. And when people say, I'm too old, I say to them, you're not too old. And they say to me, how do you know I'm not too old? And I say to them, because you're still breathing. You know, if you're breathing, you're not too old. When you stop breathing, then you're too old. Because I look at older folks like many of you here today. 
70 is the new 50. Have you got that revelation? See all the amens here so you know which crowd I'm talking to. The Lord is wanting you to bear fruit in your old age. He has a plan for your experience to pour into young people if you open your heart and say to the Lord, Father, if you give me disciples, I will disciple them. And my heart is open and I will obey you when you tell me to do whatever with whomever and I won't hold back so I'll go where there are young people. I'll go to the places where they're hanging out and if they say, why are you here? You could say, I'm fishing. You're fishing? What are you fishing for? You. I don't see a rod in a reel. Well, that's because it's invisible. Because God has called me to pour my life into young people to help them learn and change and grow and bear fruit for the rest of their lives. Because there's a lot of young people out there who have been abandoned by family, abandoned by society, have no idea why they're on the planet, have no idea that there's a potential significance in their life. They're just trying to have as much fun as they can and be abused and used and then used and abused because they don't know any better because that's what the flesh does and that's what the demons do. And I just want to strongly encourage you as older people to present yourself to God as those who will say to the Lord, I will pour my life into young people. I will, I will go wherever. I will go wherever. Oh, this is really good. I have to keep repeating it. I will go wherever you send me. Does that sound familiar to some of you Bible students? Do you ever hear about the go? Have you heard that word in the Bible? Go and not sit and, you know, sit in a rocking chair. Too you know, you're saying, well, my body hurts. Well, take the pain with you on a journey. Take it with you. I'm, I'm having trouble walking. Well, just keep going. Take your trouble with you and just keep going. Because the enemy is in the business of stopping you by saying to you, it's too hard, it's too painful, it's too difficult. But if something rises up inside of you and says, I'm taking my pain with me. I may not be able to go as fast and I may not be able to go as far, but I'm still able to go. And I'm going. And you pray a prayer like this, Lord, you show me where to go and you will end up in some really interesting places. How many of you are willing to go to interesting places? Now, you're not raising your hand to me. You understand that. Jesus is writing down your hand, your name, on this date, at this time you volunteered. So when things happen and you say to the Lord, why am I here? He'll say, you volunteered. When did I do that? I'd never volunteer for this. You know, you're driving and you see a, a school or you see something and the Lord tells you volunteer and help them or the library or some community center or someplace because you need to go where the fish are if you're going to catch fish, you know, and be willing to just love people and share your story with them. You know, you've, you've got, you, some of you don't realize how powerful your story is, that you're not just going and preaching the Bible to them. You're telling them your story. 
So, Mr. Lady, why are you here? Well, let me tell you my story. This happened to me, and this happened to me, and then Jesus got a hold of my life and changed me. Some of, I've shared this testimony with you, I think, in this, uh, in this venue before, and I've shared it in a couple of the, the meetings, this, this tour of this. Um, of, and some of you know this because you followed our ministry, but it's such a powerful example of, um, of saying yes. This was a man, and I'm, I'm going to shorten it for, to say, for time's sake today. There was a man who was an, uh, an automotive engineer who saved in the later part of his life. And uh, um, I, I asked him uh, what he wanted to do, and he, he said it really all the thing he wanted to do because he wanted to do the will of God, but he had no idea what it was. But the only thing he really wanted to do was to go and get an old junky car and, to, and strip it down and rebuild it and make a race car. And I told him to go and do it. His wife was aghast. She had been praying for 40 years, and she was really mad at me. You know, previous to that moment, she thought I was a man of God. Afterwards, you know, if looks could kill, you're like, like I prayed for this guy for 40 years, and you're telling him to build cars? Are you kidding me? So then I looked at her with a look. You know, when you've got the look from a professional look giver, you know, you're able to turn it. Hallelujah. And I said to her, well, do you think I'm a man of God or not? Yes or no? No. Yes. Okay, so let's do it, okay? Are you a woman of God? Yes. Are you a woman of faith? Yes. You've been praying for this guy for all these years. Let's see what God will do. Amen? She grudgingly said amen. So a year later, I came back to the church. The couple approached me. I didn't remember the story. And he said to me, he said, I did what, you know, was in my heart. I bought an old junk car. He was an automotive engineer. He knew everything there was to know about building cars. And so he said, I got an old car. I started taking the engine apart. And the Holy Spirit stopped me and said, Now, I want you to get in your other car, and I want you to drive through the neighborhood. I want you to find a bunch of teenage boys. I want you to offer them the opportunity to learn how to build a race car. I was like, whoa. So he did. Got in the car, started driving through the neighborhood, found three or four teenage boys, 15, 16 year olds old, pulls over, says, boys, I'm building a race car. If you want to learn how to build a race car, come to my house. He gave them the directions. And sure enough, you know, they thought this guy was crazy, but hey, drive a race car. So one of the kids said, well, if we build it, can we drive it? Of course, I'm coming. Next thing you know, three of the boys, they're there. You know, and he's teaching them things. He's answering the question, what does this part do? What does that part do? How does this work? How does that work? You know, and he's answering all the questions. And then one of the kids said, Mr., why are you doing this for us? Why are you teaching it? And he said to them, well, let me tell you my story. Once I was blind, now I see. He said, and, and Jesus told me to go find some teenage boys and teach them how to build a race car. And the, one of the kids said, Jesus told you to find bored teenagers and teach them how to build a race car? And he said, yes, that's why I'm doing this. And the, one, the kid said, well, I like that, Jesus. Next thing you know, all the boys are bringing their girlfriends, and there's a whole youth ministry developing around the building of these race cars. 
you know. So he got us. Now he had to get a second car, and he's got two groups of boys, and they're bringing their girls, and you know, all these dynamics are happening. Yeah, the, she's ministering to the girls, and um, so they're telling me this story. And he said to me, "You know, if you, as a man of God, had told me." that I had a ministry to teenage boys, I would have been lost. I would not have known what to do. I would have probably just gone to the pastor and said, this man of God prophesied over me that I had a ministry to teenage boys, so pastor, what should I do? And the pastor probably would have said, well, join the youth ministry, and it would have been a disaster. And so as he said to me, you know, I, you know, I'm 65, these kids are 15, I'm 50 years older than I don't even understand what they're talking about. But he was teaching them the language of engineering and automotive design and uh, mechanics, and they're listening because he's mentoring them and teaching them about the kingdom of God. So I want to tell you, there are things inside of you that you can pour into young people if you're willing to do it. If there's a thing inside of you that says yes to the Lord, you volunteered. So now I'm speaking to you as those who have already committed. You know, you're, vol- you're in, right? It didn't take long to get in. He, he signed your name down very quickly. Because I, I, I believe that when I return and you will share with me that you heard this and you really did say yes. And you said to the Lord, okay, I'm willing to take whatever I have, whatever knowledge I have, whatever skills I've accumulated, I'm willing to pour them into young people. And when they ask me why I'm doing it, I will tell them because the Lord Jesus changed my life and put a love in my heart for you and commanded me to go and do it, and I want His blessing on my life, and I want His blessing on your life, or whatever words the Lord gives you, you go and you, you begin to pour in to, um, to, um, to, to young people. I'm telling you, I believe this is by the word of the Lord, that as you pray this prayer, God will open up some amazing doors for you. He will challenge you to walk through those doors. You know, and you watch the kinds of things that will happen. Can I say this to you? That God wants to put an end to superficiality in your life. He wants to take the sword of the Holy Spirit out of His, his sheath and just kill superficiality and anything in your head that is allowing yourself to be superficial. That's a good place to say ow and amen. Because that, you know, Satan loves superficiality. God wants us to go deep. He wants you to bear fruit and he wants you to go deep. Deep into your heart, deep into the spirit, deepening your relationships that are all focused around bearing fruit. So the question has to do with are you bearing fruit? What fruit are you bearing? Because we are in the business of bearing fruit. We're in the business of taking our talents to the traders and multiplying them. 
and the influence we can have on people in this nation and around the world because there are things you can do online now that you can, you can speak to people in third world countries or even go there. How many of you are willing to get on an airplane and go where you've never gone before? Less of you, but that's okay. You know, and eat stuff that you know you eat. As we, uh, we heard a Chinese man tell us recently, you know, the Chinese people, we, we eat with our mouths, not with our eyes. So don't worry about what it looks like on the plate in front of you. Just taste it. Oh, there's a good place to say, really? <laughs> How many of you are up for an adventure? Oh, my gosh, there's adventure available to you. You know, the superficial doesn't want adventure. It's like, I'm old, I'm tired, I want to stay home. You know, there's no retirement in the kingdom of God. Do you understand that? A couple of you understand it. Some of you like the word. There, there, that word does not exist in the kingdom of God. Do you know what word exists in the kingdom of God? Die. You know, because... God is looking for people to bear fruit until they can no longer bear fruit. And you can bear fruit in prayer. You can go deeper in intercession. You can get online. I mean, there's so many creative ways. And if I talk to you about the, you know, getting online and doing things on the internet and you're confused about it and lost and God will give you young people who can set you up with all kinds of accounts. Oh, that's a good place to say, wow, really? You know, because that young person, they're excited about helping you. Oh, that's a good place to say, really? All these young people I know that are so, uh, so skilled, you know, with smartphones and whatever, they're just so happy to help people. And if you come along and you meet them and you say, I've got, listen, hear me say this to you. I believe this is by the Spirit that you have things in your spirit because you want to bear fruit. And you say to the Lord, what fruit can I bear in this season of my life? What fruit can I bear in this season of my life? God will begin to show you the fruit that's inside of you, the things that you can give. Because just like this man just started building a relationship with kids built based on his skill set of knowing what to do to build race cars, there are skills you have, things you've learned that you can pour into people. And, you know, it doesn't necessarily have to be people in your neighborhood. They may not receive you, but somebody will. Because if you say, hear me say this to you, if you say to the Lord, yes, He will lead you. He will open doors for you. He will put you in places where there are those who are on assignment from the Lord for you. On assignment from the Lord for you, you will have divine appointments. Because you're not coming with superiority of speech or of wisdom. You're not coming proclaiming how great you are. You're coming proclaiming to people, I have something to give you. And if you want it, I'm willing to pour it into you. Because it's not about you. 
You're not going there drawing attention to yourself, and you're not going there trying to solicit from them their affection or their attention because that's not the business we're in. We're in the business of helping them become a disciple and then grow as a disciple. Do you understand the difference? Because if you get that mentality right, it will free you to go in a lot of places because you won't be going there about you. Will they like me? Will they think well of me? Will, will whatever about me? None of that is part of the, of the mindset. The mindset is, Lord, I'm a servant of the kingdom of God. You want me to bear fruit and I'm going into this place because you told me to go into this place and you'll bring me to the people who you want to connect me to. I'm open to the leading of the Holy Spirit and divine appointments because I'm not coming there with superiority of speech. I'm not coming there, you know, to try and impress anybody. I'm going there to try and make and mature disciples and to pour in to whoever will receive me. And if nobody receives me in that village, what does the master tell you to do? Knock the dust off your feet and go to the next village. The enemy would want to come along and just, you know, do the whole whingy whiny thing in your head. See, I told you, nobody liked you, nobody wanted you, they thought you were too old, why don't you just go home and die? Take a pill. Something rises up in you and said, no, I'm going to live for the master. If he sent me and they didn't receive me, okay, he sent me. I was obedient. He says, well done. Knock the dust off your feet. Let's go to the next village. Let's go to the next group. Let's go to the next city, wherever. Because something inside of you is burning with a desire to bear fruit and make disciples. Not just go to a meeting and sit there. But look around and say, in the Spirit, Lord, I want to pour what you've put into me into other people. This is important places to say amen. Because I'm telling you what, God is seriously looking for men and women who will have this kind of an attitude. Satan likes to, you know, make you, make us superficial. We go to a meeting, we're nice, we're nice, they're nice, we're nice. Everybody is nice. We're not in the business of being nice. Do you understand that? You look at the Lord Jesus. He was, he was full of love, but he was not the nicest guy. You know, if you're nice, you're not going to say to Pharisees, you whitewashed sepulchers, you empty graves, you brood of vipers. In the nicest way. Why? Because he was seeing the demonic spirits of religion intimidating, manipulating, and controlling these people and robbing them of their destiny and causing them to rob other people. Because he was looking for fruit. And he's looking for fruit. Do you understand that? We will stand before the Lord and give an account for what we did with the gifts that we have and there will be no excuse for burying your talent. There's no excuse for saying, well, Lord, I hit a certain age and I decided to retire. Not good. This is not something the Master wants to hear you say and it's not something you want to say because he will not be happy hearing it. He'll be saying a lot of other things that will not be pleasant for you to hear. 
So it's much better for you to hear unpleasant things from me today when you have an opportunity to repent and I am not your judge than would stand before him on that day when he is your judge. Oh, that's a good place to say amen. And not just those guys over there. For I determined to know nothing among you except the Messiah, Him crucified. That is the gospel. Him crucified, dead, resurrected. I'm interested in what the Lord Jesus is doing in your life. Those are my questions because I'm in the business of making and maturing disciples. So I'm not just asking, hello, how are you? But what fruit are you bearing for the kingdom of God? And you have the right and responsibility, biblically, spiritually, morally, to say that to me as well. What fruit are you bearing for the kingdom? These are the dynamics of the conversation we should have if we're disciples of the kingdom of God together and not just people who go to meetings. Not just because it's, you know, go to a meeting, go to a meeting, don't go to a meeting. It's not about attendance. It's about fruit and asking one another. Because we'll be called into account for our relationships. Because the Lord will say, you went to church with this guy, with this girl. Did you ever once ask them how much fruit they were bearing? Oh, Lord, I didn't want to offend them. This is not what you want to say to the Lord on that day. He will not be happy. He's saying, well, you're offending me. You don't want to hear that on the great day. I told you to do it. I commanded you to do it. Why didn't you do it? I was afraid. No, Jesus was not happy with the one who buried their talent. You know, there are theologies out there which are not biblical, which would lend you to think the Lord understands. He knows how tough your life was. The blood of Jesus forgives you. Everything's okay. Now, the blood of Jesus will forgive you, but He forgives you in order for you to rise up, grow up, and bear fruit. Because on that day, when that one buried their talent, the Lord was not happy with that person. He said, take it away from him and give it to the one who bore fruit. Take away what they had. Because they proved themselves to be unworthy and unfruitful. So Paul going on, I was with you in much in fear, in weakness, in fear, in much trembling, because he wasn't there for himself. This wasn't the kind of fear like, oh, I'm afraid of you. I better not say anything. It was like I, I'm fear and trembling. It's that I want to make sure that what I'm doing in your midst is pleasing the Lord. That what I say and how I say it and how I conduct myself is all about creating a space for the Lord to be able to do a work in you and with you and through you. Are you understanding that? So the demons that left when I exposed them before, they're now back, they're now back with their cousins. So you, I can feel the shift in the atmosphere. Don't let it make you tired. Don't let it tune you out because that's what the enemy would want to do. So we rebuke that in the name of Jesus because God is looking. We're having a business meeting here, ladies and gentlemen. Because God is in the business of causing us to bear fruit. 
my message, my preaching were not in persuasive words of wisdom, but in demonstrations of the Spirit and of power, that your faith should not rest on the wisdom of men, but on the power of God. And if the body of Christ needs anything, in my opinion, it needs much more of the power of God than we have. And signs and wonders and miracles so that people's faith is not standing on any kind of an intellectual understanding, but on the demonstration of the power of God. You know, when I got saved, I had a power encounter with the living God. And because of that, nobody could talk me out of it. You know, as a Jewish believer, everybody thought I was crazy and trying to talk me out, you know, that it was some kind of an intellectual or hallucinogenic kind of a thing. But I had a power encounter with God that changed my heart. So it didn't matter what arguments, intellectual arguments people gave me. I said, my faith is not built on intellectual arguments. My faith is built on the power of God because I had this encounter. And that, that was the first foundation stone that God put in my life. Yet we do speak wisdom among those who are mature. A wisdom, however, not of this age, nor of the rulers, the demonic rulers of this age, who are passing away, but we speak God's wisdom in a mystery, the hidden wisdom which God predestined before the ages to our glory. This wisdom which none of the, uh, of, which none of the rulers of this age has understood, because if they had understood it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. If the devil knew that the crucifixion of Jesus would lead to His resurrection and the coming of the Holy Spirit and the gospel going to the nations, He would never have allowed it to happen. But He didn't know that. That's right. He is not omniscient. Now God has a promise for us. Things which... Oh, don't you love God's promises? Okay, two people here love God's promises. Uh, that was that was a, a give, that was a rehearsal question. Don't you love God's promises? Yes. Much better, thank you. The Father is now happy at that moment. Things which uh, things which eye has not seen, and ear has not heard, and which have not entered the heart of man, all that God has prepared for those who love Him. There are things, beloved, in the deep that you will only get when you go into the deep and find these things that God has for you. The people, the places, the fruit, the nations, the young people, the older people, the songs, the giftings, the, the revelations, these things that God has for all of us. For to us God revealed this wisdom through the Spirit, because the Holy Spirit searches all things, even the depths of God. This is the deep things that God wants to bring you and I into. Can I say this to you again? He wants to end superficiality in all of our lives. He wants to end superficial meetings. He wants to end superficial conversations. You know, the superficial conversation, hello, how are you? Please don't tell me. I don't care. He wants to end that and change the conversation to, are you bearing fruit for the kingdom? If you're not, can I help you? Because we're not in the business of condemning one another. We're not in the business of accusing one another. We're in the business of helping one another bear fruit. 
So if your answer is, well, I'm not really bearing much fruit, okay, can I help you? Because we're in the business of bearing fruit. I want you to be bearing fruit. I'm not here condemning you because you're not. I want to come alongside of you because we're in the business of bearing fruit. We want to see everybody bearing fruit. How can I help you bear fruit? Because of the fear of condemnation and accusation, many of us won't have these kinds of conversations. But if you know you're with people who want to encourage you and help you and teach you, you're going to be saying, yeah, I'm struggling with this. I'm not bearing fruit. Can you help me? Yeah, let's pray together and ask for some of this wisdom. Because if you're saying like that guy, you know, the, the car engineer, like he didn't, wouldn't have known how to bear fruit. All he knew was about building cars, but he invited Jesus into that moment. That's what I told him to do. Well, go build a car, invite Jesus into the moment, see what happens. Well, that's a good place to say, yes, Lord. You know, because many of you will be saying to me, well, I don't even know where to begin. You know, I want to bear more fruit, but I don't know where to begin. Well, begin with what you like to do and invite Jesus into the moment. Be willing to pour yourself into young people. Be willing to go where you've never gone before. Maybe start a website or, a, you know, some kind of a social media presence. I don't know. The Holy Spirit will tell you what to do because you're saying in your heart, Lord, I want to bear fruit for you, and the Holy Spirit will reveal things to you. The Holy Spirit will... Re okay, that was a test question because I only want, don't want just two people. Because I want you to get it. The Holy Spirit will reveal things to you. How many of you want the Holy Spirit to reveal things to you? Isn't that why we gather together? To encounter the Holy Spirit? To get more from Him than we had before we came? To be who we've never been before? Do what we've never done before? Go where we've never gone before? That's what this is all about. That's what church should be all about. Not we're not in the Christian entertainment business. We're not in the make people happy business. We're in the helping people bear fruit business. Amen? Lord, I pray that we would understand these things. That our mentality would shift and change. We would not allow ourselves to be superficial. We would not allow ourselves in our older age to think, well, there's nothing left for me to do except die. That none of that would be our mentality. We'd be rising up and saying, I want to bear fruit. I want to help young people. I want to pour into young lives or any life. Doesn't have to just be young people. Could be older people. Could be anybody, anywhere on the planet. Lord, I pray that you would show us how to go forward in bearing fruit and more fruit. To do what we've never done before. Go where we've never gone before. Become who we've never been before. That you would open depths, brother, I pray, you would open depths of revelation to all of us. That we would know what we've never known before, see what we've never seen before.
understand what we've never understood before so that we can bear fruit so on the great day you will say to all of us, well done, my good and faithful servant. Father, that is my prayer, that we will hear you say that on the great day, well done, my good and faithful servant. Amen and amen.